Good morning, Chapel Hill. Tough to get up and do anything after that. Just let that keep going. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Isn't it fun to have a, a bigger band? I mean, that's amazing. Well, you can anticipate uh, when I'm done and get off the stage, they'll be back. And there's, uh, we're going to go into Oh Holy Night. So it's a, it's a good morning to be here. So as we get started this morning, um, I want to do two, well, I'll call them unusual things. The first one's weird. The second one is just confusing. Okay? <laughs> so let's start there. I want you to take your hand flat. And I want you to put it on the back of your neck. Lay it on the back of your neck flat. Okay? Now I want you to to tilt your head forward a little bit. And yes, I feel like I have a lot of power right now, just in case you were wondering. (laughs) I want you to run your hand down your neck till you get to that big bump at the base of your neck. That big knob. Put your fingers in there and feel it. That big, strong knob where your neck meets your back. You feel that? Okay, now you can stop looking silly. That spot on your neck is the load-bearing spot. When something is said to rest on your back, on your shoulder, on your shoulders, that's the spot that's being referred to. You're going to hear it later on this morning, but that is the load-bearing spot on the back of your body. And I want you to remember that as we get to it. And I want you to think now figuratively about a load-bearing spot. And I want you to put it in the context of leadership. And think about what it means to bear the weight of leadership. Figuratively on that spot, on your shoulder, on your shoulders, on your back. Think about the quarterback of a football team. Think about a judge. Think about the CEO of your company. Think about a parent. Think about a teacher. Think about a captain, a coach, the president, the king. They bear the weight of leadership. And often that phrase is used figuratively that they bear that weight on their shoulders. They bear it on that load-bearing spot. At the base of their neck. Here's the other thing that I want to do with you. And you'll understand why this is just a little bit confusing. Given all that's gone on here this morning. I want you to think about your current world. Your personal world. And then we'll branch out from there. I want you to think about the state of your world. I want you to think about your financial state currently. I want you to think about the political state and how it affects you. I want you to think about your relational world and what's going on there. I want you to think about your physical world and what may be happening there. I want you to think about your vocational world. I want you to think about your personal environment. When you think about it, Is everything coming up roses? Is everything awesome? 
feels great, you've got it all together. If you think about any one of those areas, your finances, politics, your relationships, your health, your job, is everything just shining brightly right now? Does it feel great? Is it all together? Are you happy with your present state and super excited about the future? Or are you seeing some challenges in these areas? Are you seeing some uncertainty? Are you confident about the direction that this country is headed in the future? And as a result, your future, where your future is headed. Are you confident about your kids' future? Are you confident that your job will always be there? There's no risk there whatsoever. Are you confident about all your relationships that they're going to last forever and you'll always be besties? Are you confident about all of these things, about your world as you look forward? Or are there a lot of unknowns there? Is there a lot of uncertainty there? Or even a little bit of uncertainty? Are there things that are eating away at you, things that are a little unsettling? When you look at your current state and what the future may or may not hold for you. Um, this weekend had the privilege of, of taking our two eldest sons to something called Planet Wisdom. I was over at Grace Church in Eden Prairie and it's a, it's a youth gathering for middle school and high school kids. And they get them together from all over the Midwest. There are a couple thousand kids there and... And, uh, and they spend uh, Friday evening and all day Saturday um, with these kids together. And they have some very qualified speakers that talk to the kids. And they have uh, a great worship band that was there and some comedy and all this stuff. But, but they had a theme. They had a target for the weekend. And the thing that they wanted to address while they had these kids from all over the place was fear. They wanted to speak to the kids about fear Because our teens are facing, believe it or not, even more fear than you and I are. It's very real for them. And they worry about the usual teen stuff that that those of us, if we think back far enough, may be able to to remember and relate to and go, oh, yeah, I went through, you know, I had issues with zits and all that kind of stuff, right? They've got all of that stuff. But they are also worried about a lot of the same things that you and I are worried about, grown-ups. They worry about their parents' relationships. They worry about their dad's job and whether or not he's going to keep it. Our teenagers even worry about politics and how it's going to affect them. And they are far more invested in this election that just passed and any, any generation of teenagers I've ever seen. They have a lot of fear coming down on them. This is not a very secure time for us or for them. And so we talked this weekend about what that means, what it means to face these fears. And so here's the, the confusing aspect of why I'm doing this right now, um, why your pastor would talk about it at the start of a sermon when we've just had all of this beautiful stuff happen up here and we're all super happy and now he just goes and just destroys the whole thing. I have my reasons. It's because there's hope. 
But if we don't acknowledge what's going on around us, if we don't acknowledge the reality of what we're facing, if we just ignore that, if we check it at the door like I talked about a few weeks ago, then we're never going to truly grasp the significance of the hope that's there. The hope that guides us into this season as we celebrate together the arrival of Jesus Christ. We're not going to get it, and so I wanted to go there. This uncertainty that we experience is one symptom of the darkness that dominates our world. And things have been dark for a very, very long time. And we need a light. 700 years before the coming of Jesus, God spoke through a prophet named Isaiah. God spoke into the darkness as he had many times before that as well. He addressed the darkness. And this time he spoke in very hopeful terms about the light that was coming. Isaiah acknowledged the darkness. This is Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. He writes, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And then through his prophet, God speaks of the noble, humble, hope-bringing birth that was to come. This is Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. For to us... A child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Is there not hope in those words? There is. This is our theme passage for our Christmas season this year. This is where we want to dwell. This passage is as relevant today as it was when Isaiah spoke it. So what do we do with it then? What do we do with this amazing passage from the book of Isaiah? One of the many characteristics of God that we admire is his ability to understand what is happening here in this world that he created. God knows what's going on in the darkness. He's not ignorant of it. He's not ignoring it. He knows, he understands fully what's happening here. He understands you and those things that came into your mind when I had you bring up your environment, your relationships, your financial status, your job, all those different things. He knows, he understands it deeply. He's right there with you because he's connected to this world and he understands what's going on in the darkness. At this uh, Planet Wisdom Conference that we were asked, uh, we were at, we were uh, the the teens were asked to be honest about their fears, and the vast majority of them, almost all of them, when asked to recall childhood fears, confessed their fear of the dark. And this is something that, literally or figuratively, like what we've just been talking about, we have a hard time shaking throughout our lives is this fear of the dark. And we live in it. 
We live right smack in the middle of the darkness. Students uh, at Planet Wisdom reflected on Friday evening on the fact that fear does three things, and they use these three C words. Fear captures us, fear cripples us, and fear consumes us. But they were also reminded that there is hope in the midst of that fear. And that even though they will always face fear in this world of some sort or another, there will always be hope for the fear that they have of the darkness. And Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, offers all of us that hope. Darkness has been overcome. Fear can be conquered. God sent a leader, a ruler, a prince to deal with the darkness. And this prince would be fully qualified to rule. To those living in Isaiah's time, the prince was coming. To those living in Joseph and Mary's time, the prince had come. And to those living in our time, the prince is coming back. And this is what he's like. According to Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Today we're going to focus on the first two, two qualities of Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God. We'll spend our time there. And then in two weeks we'll look at the attributes of our Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Be here for these services. I am so excited about this season. About all that we get to experience this morning with our guest musicians and everything. And this beautiful new setup for our room. Um, next week we'll be uh, enjoying the, the kids musical and the message that it brings and and. So many kids of ours that are involved in this. It's so much fun to watch this develop. The following Sunday, we'll dig right back into this. We'll also have a guest musician with us then who's going to bring some incredible music for us. Um, Great season to be here. And then, as you heard earlier in an interesting way, Christmas Eve will be here in Christmas Day. You're going to be off to be with your families. The first description of the child who would be born was wonderful, wonderful counselor. Let's start there to look at this child. So let me ask you what comes to mind when I mention the title of counselor. I think all of you have some sort of idea of what a counselor is and what a counselor does. We have pictures in our heads of guidance counselors, of marriage counselors, of family counselors, career counselors, financial counselors, and on and on and on. We have this idea of what it is. And ultimately, a counselor is someone who gives counsel. It's someone that we listen to. It's somebody that we listen to. So who do we listen to? Who do you listen to? What voices are coming at you on a daily basis? We listen to reporters. We listen to politicians. We listen to entertainers, to musicians, to poets, celebrities, parents, peers, teachers, bloggers, preachers, theologians, bosses, advertisers, critics, spokespersons, advisors, consultants, innovators, and much, much more. 
There are many, many, many voices coming at us, and we're looking for insight on current events, on politics, on culture, on communication, on religion, on marriage, on parenting, economics, consumerism, and so much more. And so we listen, and we listen, and we listen. And we seek out counsel. And sometimes we just let counsel come to us. And don't get me wrong. I am not denying the value in the counsel that we we receive from people around us in life. The Bible doesn't deny that either. The Bible says it's good for us to have wise counsel in our lives. And I think back on our history for me and Kim. And one of those voices that stands out is a guy named Dr. Dave Thompson. And, and when we were getting ready to go overseas into full-time missions, um, we, we were forced to sit down with a marriage counselor and, and listen to what he had to say and go through some exercises with him. And we were thinking, we don't need this. The other people that are going through orientation with us, they definitely need this. But we do not So we're glad they're doing it for the sake of somebody else. But as for us, we're fine. We don't need somebody else's counsel. We're doing great. Until he began to get to know us a bit. And he began to break down the way that we process things. The way that we handle conflict and these sorts of things. And and Dr. Thompson spoke volumes into our lives. He spoke of our, our communication styles. He spoke of, of time and how we need to let time be our friend when it comes to resolving things. And, and there were all kinds of things that he was able to speak into our lives. And I'm not writing off that kind of counsel that was invaluable to us. And there are all kinds of sources of counsel in our lives that are very valuable to us. But I want to ask this question. How much care do we put into evaluating the source of that counsel and discerning wisely in the midst of all the noise? What happened to our ears? You know, you own your ears, right? They belong to you. You decide who or what you're going to listen to. How are we doing as listeners? Or are we just carelessly letting it all in? And do you find yourself getting caught in that trap where you're just responding to every single thing that comes? You read the next blog and you're like, oh, I need to do that. I need to put that into my life. And then you hear something on the radio and you're like, oh, I got to do that. I need to change that way. And then you hear the preacher say something. And you're like, okay, well, I better do that too because that was church. And then so you read something and you're like, I got to do that. And, and on and on and on and on and on it goes. And we just run around responding to all of these different things that we're hearing. And believe me, there's a lot to hear right now, isn't there? It is nonstop. There's so much out there. Are we just carelessly letting it all in? What are we doing with our ears? How are we stewarding our ears? In Isaiah's time, God's people were not listening well. They were not discerning at all says in Isaiah 8:19 that the people had begun listening to mediums and spiritists and they were going other places they were listening to other voices in their life even though they had God speaking to them through the prophet Isaiah 
They were listening to other things that weren't of God. They had given their ears to the wrong voices. Keep in mind that we live in darkness. The kingdom of this world belongs to the prince of darkness. How wise is it to trust voices in the dark? To carelessly, randomly allow voices in the dark to speak to us. And to allow their counsel to enter in through our ears and affect our lives. We can trust in the one who came bringing light into the darkness. There's a contrast to the things that were mentioned in Planet Wisdom about fear. The fact that fear captures us, cripples us, and consumes us. What they did a great job of pointing out was that trust in our wonderful counselor rescues, releases, and renews us. Jesus offers us a trustworthy voice in the midst of the darkness. Jesus shines light on the voices in the darkness. His light, the light of our wonderful counselor, can help us see if that voice that we hear is worth listening to. He shows us which voices have value. He shows us which voices he will use to speak to us. And that fear of the darkness then is overcome by his light. But his voice, his voice, the voice of Jesus Christ, the voice of our loving father has to be the voice that we hear most clearly. His counsel has to be the first counsel that we heed. His light has to be the the light that we need to make sense of the voices in the dark. And you may have heard in your study of God's word one particular description of the voice of counsel that we can trust. His voice is described as a still, small voice. And you know what that means. In the midst of all the noise, all the voices in the dark, you and I are going to have to work to hear that still, small voice, aren't we? We're going to have to put some effort into it. But his voice is the voice of counsel that we can trust. The word wonderful in the title, wonderful counselor, is significant. It means of God, particularly miracle of God. He is our miracle of God counselor. That's who Jesus is. That's how he's described. And there is no other counselor, no matter how well their counsel is respected here in this world, who carries that title. Jesus, the wonderful counselor, is the voice of counsel that we can trust. The child is then given in Isaiah 6, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. The child is then given the title, Mighty God. Once again, can there be any other who goes by that name? Let's remember just a few of his credentials when it comes to Jesus being worthy of this title. Things like, well, he created the heavens and the earth. 
by the power of his word. He spoke and they came into existence. He rescued his people over and over and over again. And even in some literal ways from hungry lions and from a consuming fire. He is a worker of miracles from turning water to wine to curing blindness, leprosy, lame limbs, bleeding, deafness. And the list goes on and on and on. He raised the dead. He raised himself from the dead. He conquered death. Do we really need to add anything else to this list? Is he qualified to be given the title Mighty God? In the kingdom of darkness, there is a need for a ruler to come and deliver this kingdom, leading the people of light into the eternal kingdom of light. Is there a ruler powerful enough to carry the burden of leadership for such a task? Yes, there is. And his name is Jesus Christ. The government of this kingdom will be on his shoulder. Yes, figuratively right there on that spot on the back of your neck. He is more than strong enough to bear that burden. He has more than enough power to lead this nation of God's people through all eternity. Can there be any other leader, any other ruler, any other power in this world that is sufficient for this task? There is none. There is no one even remotely comparable to Jesus Christ. The one who was born in a manger, in a stable. The one entitled Mighty God is the sole owner of that title. And that Mighty God was born to us in a very humble way. Outside a town called Bethlehem. A son was given the son of the one true king. Every other source of wisdom and power falls short. I'm going to read you a story that demonstrates a very valuable truth for us. A rehabilitation counselor took an early retirement to spend the rest of his life preaching One day while addressing an audience, he told of how early in his career, he found a young boy with several birth defects. He arranged financial and medical help. Skilled surgeons restored the child's facial appearance. Trained therapists taught him to speak and to walk. By his teens, the boy was able to take part in all the activities that other young people took part in. Addressing his crowd, the retired counselor asked, What do you think has become of this young man? One guessed that since this young man had overcome such physical deformities, he may have dedicated himself to becoming a great athlete. Someone else thought that since his life had been changed by medical doctors, he had become a skilled surgeon. No, none of these, the retired counselor said sadly. The young man is a prisoner serving a life sentence for murder. We were able to restore his physical features and his ability to walk and to act, but we failed to reach to teach him where to walk and how to act. I was successful in helping the boy physically, but I failed to help him spiritually. From that day on, I have determined to use the rest of my life to help people direct their steps and actions towards glorifying God. 
counsel of this world can only take us so far. The power of the world's leaders can only protect and provide for us so well. Our trust cannot be placed in the wisdom and the power of this world. But our trust can be placed in the one who is both wise and all-powerful. Paul wrote of who he put his trust in when he wrote to the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 1, 23 and 24, he wrote that he and his brothers did not preach trust in the world. He said, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Into the darkness, God sent a counselor and a ruler. He sent his own son. He sent a miracle. He sent the creator. He sent the savior. He sent the Lord. He sent the wonderful counselor and mighty God. Let me ask you this. Do you trust him? Is this, this morning, right now, in this place that you're in, in this state of your world, do you trust him? Have you put him in the place of being your wonderful counselor? Have you given him the authority to determine what other counsel you're going to receive? Are you listening to his voice first? Are you seeking his counsel? Do you believe that he has the answer to the challenges that you're facing right now? Is that real in you? Is that how you operate? Do you see him that way? Do you allow him to guide you by his counsel? And then to add to that, whatever he uses, whatever he chooses to use to guide you from there out. Is he at the center? Is he first? Do you choose him as mighty God this morning? Is he the all-powerful one? Are you putting your trust in him and him alone? Or are you concerned about all of the other powers that exist here in the darkness? Are you trusting those powers? Are you trusting financial power? Are you trusting political power? Are you trusting relational power? Are you trusting the cultural power that exists around us, the military power that exists around us? What are you trusting? What, What power are you putting your trust in? And I want you to be honest about that this morning. I want you to be honest about whether or not Jesus is your wonderful counselor and mighty God. Because as we go through this Christmas season and we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the coming of God, God taking on the form of a man, becoming one of us and walking this earth to show us how to live, to rescue us. It can mean something new every single year. Here we are again the first week of December and we got the decorations up and we got the music out and we're ready to go because this is the tradition 
This never has to become, ever, ever, ever has to become something that we just do. Oh, it's Christmas again. Here we go. Every single year, it can and should take on new meaning for every single one of us as we deepen our trust in our wonderful counselor and mighty God. And we depend and we lean more and more on his counsel and on his power. And we trust him to guide us and we trust him to save us and not all of the stuff around us. Do you trust him? We were given a light in the darkness. We were given a sun and the government of the only eternal kingdom shall be on his shoulder. It is on his shoulder. He has always been, he is and will always be the wonderful counselor and the mighty God. And this Christmas season, I would encourage you to find hope in him. To find light in him. To find counsel in him. To find power in him. In the midst of any uncertainty that you're facing right now. In your present situation or as you look at the future. Trust in the one who came. Find your wisdom in his counsel. Find your strength in him. In the midst of your weakness and the weakness of the kingdom of this world. Find your strength in him. He is our wonderful counselor. He is our mighty God. He has come and he is coming back. He reigns and shall reign forevermore. That's Jesus Christ. A child was born and his name is Jesus I'm going to invite the ushers to come now. And I'm going to ask that all of you bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want us to just settle ourselves and spend just a few minutes with God here before we close out the service. So just get yourself in that place of focus right now. Just fix your eyes on your father. And you may not be able to see him right now. You may not have a a physical picture of what he looks like. It doesn't matter. You know he's here. And this morning, if if there is anything but him that you are putting your trust in, If there is any voice of counsel other than his that dominates you right now, that is your primary source of counsel, just confess that to him. Just say, Father, I'm sorry. I've allowed other voices to be the primary voices in my life. If you feel that you just don't have control of your ears, you're just allowing anything and everything to come at you and you're responding to every single little voice that you hear. There's just so much that you're not moving anywhere. You're just paralyzed by all of the noise, all the voices, all the counsel that's there. Just lift that up to God right now and say, God, it's yours. Take the noise. 
And in the midst of the noise, God, help me to see, to hear that still, small voice. If you are trusting any other power but God, confess that to God right now and just say, God, this is true. I am not putting my total trust in you and your strength. I'm not assigning to you the title of mighty God. Just let him have whatever need that you have in you, need for counsel, need for for power in your life. Lift that up to him and say, God, take it. I invite your counsel. I invite your power. Father, we once again come to the the start of this Christmas season. And we once again come and, and find something in your word in the Bible that we can just hang on to. That we can embrace fully. And if, if we choose, we can find significant hope, substantial hope in the words that you've given us. Father, this Christmas season, I pray for your blessing on this church that we would be able to see you clearly, that we would be able to hear your voice first and foremost, that we would seek and find your counsel individually and as a church. I pray that in the, in the midst of this Christmas season, in the midst of the, the busyness, and even in the midst of an increase in the amount of noise coming at us, that we would hear your voice, that you would speak clearly to us of who you are, Pray for each one of us that we would embrace your power as the only source of power that we can put our trust in. You are the only one who holds the title of mighty God. You are the only one with power to save us. No matter what this world has to offer, in terms of counsel, in terms of power, none of it can get to where you take us. So God, this season, we thank you for the hope that you've given us by sending us your son, by sending us a child, by giving us a son, your only son, to come and be our wonderful counselor, And our mighty God. We invite you to do that in our lives this season. Teach us to listen. Teach us to trust. Teach us to seek you and find you. As we celebrate what you did to come close to us. Thank you for this time that you've given us this morning. Thank you for this wonderful band behind me who has been leading us and will continue to lead us as we come into your presence, as we come and celebrate now that holy night when Jesus came. Thank you for this place that you've given us, for the ways that you've provided. Take now what we give to you and use it to multiply the ministry, the the reach of this church so that this world that is living in darkness can receive a great light because unto them 
a child was born. Unto them a son was given. A wonderful counselor and a mighty, a mighty God. Father, thank you for what you're going to do in this season. Thank you for what you've done through the coming of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray all this in his name. Amen.